Hi, I'm Rob, and this is another episode of Rewind and Review. As always, I'm joined by the one who was recently hunted down by the Bureau of Paranormal Research and Defense, a Rewind and Review co-host, Jason. They'll never get me! No. Um, now, uh, we haven't done many movies based on comic books. Um, the Dark Knight, Superman, the movie, you know, just a couple of obscure ones. Very small mm-hmm. indie movies. No, yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> but we're doing another one today. Rewind and Review is the podcast where we have a look at an existing property from the past, delve into its legacy, discuss how it's held up over time, and even give our own personal experiences. Did we watch it as a kid or sometime later in our lives? Yep. Now, this movie celebrates its 15th anniversary this year in 2019, but it also has a reboot film out this month. So it was only fitting that we revisit it. Um, and this movie is loosely based on the Dark Horse Comics graphic novel. In the absence of light, darkness prevails. <laughs> There are things that go bump in the night. Make no mistake about that. And we are the ones who bump back. We bump back all the way to the year 2004. We have to go back! Go back, Steph! What year is it? Are you telling me you built a time machine? The year 2004. Did you know that Shrek 2 was the highest grossing movie that year? I had no idea. It beat, I kid you not, it beat Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban and the two big superhero movies of the year, The Incredibles and Spider-Man 2. Really? Spider-Man 2. It, Shrek 2 beat Spider-Man 2. That is ridiculous. Outrageous. I'm thinking more of The Incredibles and The Prisoner of Azkaban. That's probably one of the best Harry Potter... Anyway, okay, cool. Anyway. Great. <laughs> Great. But speaking of superhero movies, or rather a comic book movie specifically, yes. 2004, we got Hellboy. Uh-huh. Now, spoiler warning, of course, if you have not checked out this movie. Absolutely. Now, directed by Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro... Um, and loosely based on the Dark Horse comics graphic novel Hellboy Seed of Destruction by Mike Mignola. Um, Hellboy stars Ron Perlman as the titular demonic beast turned superhero who secretly works to keep this world safe from paranormal threats with his team, uh, the Bureau of Paranormal Research and Defense. At the end of World War II, the Nazis, with the help of a Russian mystic, Grigory Rasputin, played by Karel Rodin, attempt mm-hmm. to open a portal to a paranormal dimension in order to defeat the Allies, um, but are only able to summon a baby demon who is rescued by Allied forces and dubbed Hellboy. That's right. And then 60 years later, FBI agent John Myers, played by Rupert Evans, is transferred to the BPRD at the request of Trevor... Brutenholm, which is played by John Hurt. You like that one? Yeah. Um, uh, where he meet, he gets to meet the adult Hellboy, which is played by Ron Perlman. Um, also gets to meet Abe Sapien, who is played in physically, physically by Doug Jones, um, who is a merman with psychic powers. And also, eventually, Liz Sherman, who is played by Selma Blair, a woman with pyrokinesis. Lots of fire. Lots of blue fire. It's a cool word, that. Yeah. Pyrokinesis. Yes, clothes don't burn, which is something I question, but mm. I'm sure there's a reason for it. Talk about it later. Yeah, Rasputin is resurrected and the demon Samael is released. Sammy. <laughs> That's what I thought you Sam. said. Yeah, Samel, yes. Samel. Um, with the power to multiply, yep. Samel becomes a problem. Rasputin's visions of the future show Hellboy bringing in on the end of the world. 
and plots for him to release the Ogdru Jahad. So basically, use and abuse Hellboy, unlock this doorway, end of the world. Is everybody, <laughs> is everybody still with us? <laughs> there's a, we're barely hanging on. It's like, there's a lot in that plot, but I mean, it's in the movie. It, it takes a while for this all to, <laughs> to, to be clear. It's like the final act where it's like, oh, this is the plot. Okay, I'm there. Anyway, I'm showing I, my head. I would be really, really, and an and audience, I'd be really happy if you uh, chimed in on uh, via the, the old emails or Facebook. But <laughs> I want to know if we, is the mirrored, the feeling is mirrored. But uh, we'll see, we'll see. Anyway, um, personal experience. Jason, go on, tell me about your experience with this movie. Okay, I remember, now I mentioned Spider-Man 2 earlier. Now the DVD of Spider-Man 2, this very obscure, very obscure um, personal experience here. Yeah. Um, this was back when DVDs would automatically play trailers at the beginning. Yeah. Um, and the one that it kept constantly playing, every time I put the disc in, would be for Hellboy. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I remember the music, and I remember that Myers character, and he's like, yeah. excuse me? Um, <laughs> I think maybe this trailer, like, playing so many times, maybe just, like, not, like, <laughs> not, have no interest in this movie. But when right. it did come out um, on home release, I did check it out. Hmm. Um, it was the one and only time I had watched it. Oh. And from that viewing... No, I have watched it since. Okay. Down, but, like, before that, the, um, yeah, I didn't like it. I just haven't had no interest. And I was just like, it just didn't work for me. <laughs> I was young. Mm. What was I? 12, 13, yeah. 14, actually. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, like, yeah, let's get my years right. Um, and that's pretty much where I stood. I do remember checking out the second one. Yeah. Um but I don't actually remember anything of it. So maybe I haven't seen it. I'm not really sure. Tooth fairy this, is what I remember. For, but... this, um, for this podcast, yeah. I did go back and do the watch. And I was prepared to be swayed and turned around. I was yeah. like, look, I'm coming into it with, you know, 15 years later, mature eyes, mm. um, a better appreciation for film, etc., etc. So I watched it again. Oh, yeah. I'm going to leave that at that and see, you know, tease you a little bit of where I'm sitting at the moment. Maybe I've turned, maybe I'm sitting exactly where I was. Yeah, right. You're hell transparent. <laughs> um, cool. Well, for me, I did see it on release in theatres. I was 18 years old. So I think this was kind of my kind of movie. Not really like, targeted at my kind of demographics. But you were in there. But I was there. I was there. there. Um, I don't know. For some reason, I was a fan of Ron Perlman at that time. Mm. I had zero connection to the source material. I well, we should be yes. Me too as well. You know, mm. I like my comics and stuff. Hellboy was not one I was right. into or read, so I had, I had no prior background knowledge of oh. it. So we're coming from the same page there. Yeah, cool, nice. Um, I thought the one-liners in it were really quippy and really cool. Like some of the, what have we got? An example, like the bumping back one-liner that you, you already said. Yeah, it. Yeah. But also, what, red means stop. <laughs> yeah, and, um... <laughs> First date, no tongue. Yeah, you know, I had clever little one-liners, and, and an eighteen-year-old me was like, ah, "That's funny." <laughs> um, now I watched it again before the release of the sequel, and then I never watched it again. So I actually really rate the sequel more. So did you watch it again before this show, though? Oh yeah, I did. Oh watch yes, it again. yeah, yeah. So, I so in total it. three times. I watched it. I've seen it three times. No, and I've seen it a couple more than that because I watched it quite a few times before the oh, sequel. Oh right, yep. Then geared up for the sequel. Then watch the Golden Army. So it's essentially then, been yeah, a good twelve years between your yeah. last two watches, yeah. So yeah, a lot of times passed. My current my viewing of it, 
I do have a different take on what my experience is now to yeah. then as well. So I think oh, we'll, okay, now you got so, me on there. Yeah, yeah, there we go. So, um, so we'll get into that. Um, uh, this film, uh, so its budget had a sixty-six million dollar budget, and the box office made it what was a ninety-nine mil. Minor box office success. Yeah, it has been referred to as a minor. So it didn't make all the monies, but I mean, mm. it was enough for them to go, hey, let's let's greenlight a sequel and, and go forth with it. I don't know if you so, got it in the notes, but the sequel actually made more money. Ooh. It's more critically ooh. Uh, 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 praised. But anyway, have got that. it's got favorable reviews from critics. Um, Rotten Tomato is, what, an 81% um, out of 200 reviews, which an average rating of... 6.76 out of 10. Uh, Metacritic, 72 out of 100 out of uh, 37 critics. Is that what that says? Um, yeah. And Entertainment Weekly gave the film a B rating. So I think... Could have given it worse. Uh, generally, people like this movie. People, yeah. critics, audiences, yeah. Um, I think if you don't like this movie, you are a minority. Hmm. I might be a minority. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. All right, cool. Awards. It was nominated for four Saturn Awards in 2005. Which included the best fantasy film, best special edition DVD re- release. They really scraped the bottom of the barrel. For <laughs> <Yeah>. the <time. laughs> best makeup, and um, which it won, which completely makes sense because Guillermo del Toro, del Toro's, it's his, it's his thing. He's the monster yeah. guy, isn't he? And he's got his That's style and right. all that. Uh, it was nominated for a Visual Effects Society Award in the category of Outstanding Performance by an Animated Character in a Live Action Motion Picture. So there's like Whew, so they, the Gollum Award, basically. <laughs> the Gollum Award, I like it. <laughs> the Smeagol Award. Yes. Um, this, interestingly though, this 2004 movie was distributed by Columbia Pictures, or to make it easier, you know, like Sony, right? essentially. In 2008, the sequel Hellboy 2, The Golden Army, was released, this time by Universal Pictures. Yeah. Um, it was, again, directed by Guillermo del Toro. Yeah. He was back... Pretty much the same principal cast. Yeah. All there. Um, in this year, 2019, in April, a reboot film, once again titled Hellboy, has been released, mm-hmm. this time by Lionsgate and Summit Entertainment. Entertainment, sorry. Yeah. Um, directed by Neil Marshall and starring David Harbour as Hellboy. David Harbour is awesome. Yes. And he is very similar to a kind of Perlman-esque kind of yeah. gruffness. Yeah, maybe with a bit more... Bit more cool grittiness. Now we both have not mm. seen the new no. movie, so you um, listen, um, listeners, you might actually have seen it and listening to this, going, "What are they talking about?" <laughs> yeah. So this is we are yeah one hundred percent talking about that movie from two thousand four, not the new one. Yeah. That's a different show. Um, that film studio, <laughs> Luke and I will be covering that. Excellent. There's a plug there. So nice again, one. depending on when you're listening to this, that might already we have be come out. out. As well. <laughs> That's one. That's interesting about um, changing of the studios, though. I mean, are just film rights just jumping about, or does Sony own all of them? Or no, 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 no. Sony and Universal are definitely two. Yeah, different. that's what I thought. Anyway, well, well, I guess properties do move about yeah. amongst studios. All right, Hellboy, created by writer artist uh, Mike Minola, um, first appeared in San Diego Comic Con Comics number two, which is August nineteen ninety three edition, I believe. And it's since appeared in uh, various miniseries, one-shots, and intercompany crossovers all over the shop. Um, there was a Hellboy animated thing. <laughs> cool. Uh, basically, there was two of them. Um, they're original straight-to-DVD animated films, 
based upon the Hellboy comic books. Okay. Um, the two films, Sword of Storms, which came out in 2006, and Blood and Iron in 2007, received the signature of Mike Mignola and Guillermo del Toro, and featured Ron Perlman as the voice of Hellboy. So Is they, that canon? They, well, I mean, I suppose they're very much of the of these two movies, mm. you know. Okay. DNA. They're in there. Well, that that would um, appease some of the people that were miffed that there wasn't a third Hellboy with Pillman. Yes. Anyway, okay, cool. Um, and there was a video game, Hellboy, The Science of Evil, which was adapted from the 2004 film, uh, where you could play as Hellboy, uh, Liz, or Abe Sapien as well. <laughs> um, and I guess we should mention that... Um I'm, you know, I'm trying to grasp it, like what impact it sort of has had on the industry in terms of maybe comic book movies. I mean, mm. we've seen where where it's come, but whether we can liken it back to the Hellboy franchise as mm. any sort of um, you know Kickstarter or something of anything there, like, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't think that it mm. had that much of an impact. Um, but we could say that these two movies, Hellboy in 2004 and the Hellboy Two in 2008. You know, it has led us to this third Hellboy film, mm-hmm. which is potentially Australia's first R-rated, restricted yeah. to 18, movie based on a comic book. I could be wrong. So in America, it, it, it's an R-rating, but usually the America's R-rating is the equivalent to Australia's MA. Yeah, 15, yeah. But Australia has given it an R, R an actual Australian R, which is for its gore and violence. So again, I haven't seen the movie... I have not heard the best of things of it, but I mean, it's got that it's got that R rating, and it's you know, that's something of interest. Could be gritty, could, mm. be, could be fun. It's got it's got uh, David Harbour in it. Yeah, <laughs> bring it on. Um, cool. All right. Well, let's get into it. Let's pull it apart. Let's do it all. May as well start with the big guy, Big Red. Big Red. Big Red. All right. Uh, so Hellboy himself, played by Ron Perlman. Yeah. Oh well, you know. And- Except when he's a child, when he's just extremely oh, yes, yeah. CGI, but that's all right. <laughs> oh, voiced by Guillermo del Toro, actually, when he's um, really when he, yeah, when he's baby, baby Hellboy, whatever you call him, Red Monkey, Red Monkey <laughs> Child. Yeah, cool. Interesting. Hell baby. <laughs> Hell baby. Hellboy. Hellboy. Well, Hellboy when he's a man. So well, well, yeah, that's the thing. He's only meant to be. This is what I didn't understand with the aging side of things. He's meant to be sixty years old. Yeah. But he looks apparently... Well, he's not a human, so... Apparently, like, he's in his 30s. 30s, 40s, yeah. But he doesn't look like he's in his 30s. No, I mean, no. He looks older. I mean, he looks like Ron Perlman. Yeah. Not like Ron Perlman's, like, with prosthetic, With four hours worth of makeup on him. Yeah. That's what it was. Let's talk about that. That's kind of what the production reports are, that it was a lot of prosthetics to go on somebody's, you know... Now, we're, we're both big fans of practical effects yeah. with... I mean, they could have... They could have been, like, let's just do a CGI Hellboy. The whole time would have cost a lot more. I mean, I wouldn't have looked good then, though. Yeah, 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 no, it wouldn't have. Mm. Yeah, it really wouldn't have. Now we'll touch on the other CGI, <laughs> <laughs> and that pretty much proves that point. Uh, yeah. But you know, this is in the vein of you know, Fantastic Fours, you know, the thing, yeah, a fully you know, prosthetic outfit yeah. suit, you know, like rubber mm. suit, whatever it's made of. Yeah, I mean, it's physically there, other actors can interact with it, so yeah. that's good. I don't really have an issue with his. A local outfit. I do have. I do have one thing. So I want to talk about performance, and then that will tie into that. My my, my thoughts are that I felt like he's a bit flat. <laughs> yeah. Or almost now, phoning I, it in. Again, or, or... I don't have. I know you're the same. I don't have that. The background of the comics and the character. Yeah. Now, whether or not he's just 
the bringing right what's what's on the page onto screen and maybe he's nailing it perfect but without that prior knowledge I'm just going with perfect. what they're giving me in this movie it's what I'm reviewing Ron Pelman's Hellboy this character I mean yeah he's 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 quipping he's giving these lines he's dry delivery mm. he's trying to be a smartass but I mean yeah it's just coming across as boring bored is what I'd say. Like he, he sounds bored. bored. But then I put it down. So going to prosthetics because he it was so you can tell it's Perlman, but it's still heavy prosthetics. So like, oh, it, I think it's just a lack of being able to emote like clearly, limiting his yeah. yeah his facial expression as yeah. well. So Abe, Abe Sapien's got more bloody emotional range. I gotta than, say, I mean, we could jump into Abe now. You know, like, well, do you have anything to talk about with Ron? I mean, we can we but, can come back to him. He you know as he interacts with other characters and yeah. stuff, we can call back. But Abe, you know, like. Mm. Just compared to Hellboy, I mean, Doug Jones isn't doing the the voice. Um, that's David Hyde Pierce, who's... Because you know Doug Jones does it in the second one? They oh, don't. okay. How cool is that? Well, I'm not here to talk about the second one. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So for this one, yeah, Doug Jones, who is um, now in 2019, you would know him from all over the shop with um, Guillermo del Toro. Well, the, the Shape of Water. Yeah, he was the... The lead, <laughs> the lead fish. I mean, but um, yeah. so he's just got so much character as a fish, you know. He's um, good. I mean, there, there's been those rumors of him actually being like, is he the same character, the same sort of species? When you do actually ooh. look at the two characters side by side, they're very different designs, patterns, yeah. all that. But because it's Guillermo's sort of style of m- monster mm. makeup, he there are the similarities. There's yeah. also like they both characters like eggs. Uh, <laughs> yeah, both right, characters right, like right. classical music. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the comparison there. So I can see why people are like, "Is he? What's his name from The Shape of Water? Oh, well. Maybe with all the fish sex and the." Anyway, look, pretty decent um, movie. So um, yeah, Abe Sapien. Yeah, pl- like we said, um, he's voice. He's played by Doug Jones in a, like an amazing outfit, but um, voiced by David Hyde Pierce. Like his performance, the it's just. There's just more. There's just yeah. so much more happening. More nuance, more, more emotion. Actually, compared to a lot of the characters, Abe is the one that, you know, there's actually something worthy of watching on the screen, I think, mm. within a character. Yeah. When he's in the sewers and he gets attacked and he's hiding in a little crevice, mm. you actually you see the panic in his eyes and he's really, like, putting it out yeah, there. Yeah. Like, like he's terrified. It's swimming in and out, you know, like, through the little, through those tunnels. Yeah. And, and then, he, then he... Both visually, even when he's just hanging... Upside down in his tank, it's sort of like this is something cool. Mm, definitely. So he might be more engaging than, than that lead. But anyway, <laughs> so. who else? Uh, who else was Trevor Brittenholm? So John Hurt. So he there is a younger version of him, and yeah. I didn't write that actor's name down, so I do apologise. <laughs> Sorry, man. Anyway, yeah, he's in it for like five minutes. Um, <laughs> he basically becomes, you know, the caretaker, the father figure of of the young hill baby. Yeah. Um, Raises him up to be the Ron Pillman Hellboy that we, yeah. that we all know and <laughs> love and endure. Mm-hmm. His um, over charismatic personality. Um, <laughs> but John Hurt's, I mean, he's doing some good stuff, you know. He's being gruff, he's been. Uh, Can't fold him. He's, you can tell, I, so he's vulnerable, he's got, he's, he's got his own sickness, he's dying of cancer of some kind. Apparently, there's a, there's a director's cut of this movie where they do actually really address the fact that he only has months okay. to live. Is that in this movie? Well, they answer it at the doctor's. He says months in the doctor's. Okay. Place. But anyway. Um, Apparently it's more but, like but, on the nose. You know, he's got this relationship with um, Hellboy. He's a father figure. He's raised him from infancy. And now 
and now he knows that he's you know he's looking he's at death in the eye basically and said mm. well I've got to make sure that he's ready to go when I'm not and so part, a big part of this movie is about John Hurt's character um, Trevor preparing the people around him for when he's not there until his ultimate demise which wasn't sickness and turns out to be yeah. one of the villains I so. mean it, it's no different to how any I guess father would be in that sort of situation but I guess mm. there's more things going on there's all this stuff with the bureau mm. that needs to be handled and then of course there's the issue of Hellboy and his role in everything and how he yeah. fits into the world and making sure that he specifically is okay being unique in what he is yeah. again like yeah, like we're getting an interesting sort of mm-hmm. premise and uh, sort of plot with this character, yeah. but again, you know, John Hurt's not doing anything necessarily bad at all. You know, yeah. he's doing, he's delivering fine. It's just there's just not really much that they're actually doing with it. Yeah. It's all sort of implied, and then, I mean, he's killed. Yeah. You know, not to nothing related with his with his illness or it's just they it's just, simply just finish killed. him off. Yeah, so it's like oh, well, which is an inconsequential death, really, because either way, Hellboy Hellboy didn't know that he his father figure was going to die. Yeah. So and we never if he died of the sickness or he died at the hands of one of the bad guys. But I mean, we never got to see still him. The same, yeah. We never got to see. Um, yeah, can we just call him, can we just call him Doctor Broom? <laughs> Bruton Hall. Yeah. Uh, we never got to see him actually do anything actively to make sure that Hellboy was prepared and yeah. the bureau was in good hands and all that sort of stuff. It was yeah. all just, oh, this is stuff that I've got to do, and now oh, I'm dead. Yeah. So he doesn't, and then but everything sort of works out. So it's like, oh, everything was fine anyway. Like yeah, yeah. I guess so, inconsequential. Yeah, one hundred percent. One thing I really did like just about his character's arc, even though we just said all of that, is. From the start, you don't quite know. Like, he know. Sorry, you know as an audience that he doesn't know the purpose of Hellboy. He finds Hellboy, and it's basically a mystery. It's, okay, we've got mm. something here. We don't know what to do with I it. Mean, I mean, yeah, he's told what his apparent destiny is. Yeah, well, he finds out just before he right dies. Before he dies, yeah. And so, it's like, it's a bit of a, an emotional moment there if you look at it. It's like, hang on, he's got to process that knowing full well he's about to die, and he can't do anything about it. He's about. He knows he's about to die, and he says, "Make it quick." Well, I mean, I guess he and doesn't. He knows, well, he doesn't. He doesn't actually know he's going to die. Like he's in a, he has a sticky situation. He has to assume that the assassin's right there. <laughs> so, I mean, it is quick. Yeah. Um. But I mean, uh, like that scene where he is finding all this stuff out, and then you know his character is sort of just mm. brushed aside. Essentially, mm. that is for the audience. That's for us. Yeah. So no, well, it's, but, it's but if you're on board with the character, sense. you're also if you're in his yeah. mind, you're like, "Geez, you've got to process all of that." Now you know the full purpose of the person you've raised, and you've got no chance of actually stopping it, <laughs> and you're dead. <laughs> oh, that's so. That's it. Let's go to the next very interesting character, Liz Sherman. Yeah, played by Selma Blair. So, so my take on it is, I think she's really there to just be, just be vulnerable, really, um, and be like she's her her purpose of the character is to be. It's to set up that there is there has been an enduring relationship. Between, with yeah. yeah, I think I think that Liz, you see the history, you see her history about having her ability but having accidents. Yeah, and so it adds just a little bit of depth to her without really having to go into too much detail. Okay, no, you're right. It's fractured though, so it doesn't really. It's like how does it all tie in? Well, they address her backstory through those like a few flashbacks, mm-hmm. and that works for her character. You know, when we when we are in, introduced to her, you know, she's she had left the bureau. She committed herself to. 
an uh, asylum. Uh, an yeah. asylum. She tried to kill herself, sort of thing. Mm. Um, you know, there's a few interesting things going on there. But again, it's sort of like once she's back with the bureau, it's sort of like yeah. eh, we didn't really need any of that. Like it was setting up something interesting yeah. with her. But then we never really see her actually yeah. overcome or go through an arc. To it was just like. Oh, she's back with them, and she's good. Suddenly, she turns into a love interest yeah. with no prior history actually well, to, shown on screen. It's just to be, you know, she's a bit more like a MacGuffin, really, right? In the sense that, so she's there. They get her back, and then they use her to wipe out all of the that's bad things. It, yeah. It's like all of that backstory about learning about she doesn't have full control over a fire ability. What is it? What did you call them? Pyrokinetic. Pyrokinesis. Kinesis abilities. <laughs> Not my word. It's a real when word. she's sitting there and she's telling John to punch her. Mm. Like, it comes to a point where he punches her, she gets so angry, and then you should be running, which is so lame. <laughs> and then she kills all the things. And so it's like, she existed for that moment. I think she she's you know, she's existing for a lot of moments, you know? Like, which is a they, like, different yeah, things. She, they had this whole setup for her, and then suddenly her character just became this... Um, Hellboy's pining over her from yeah. a prior existing relationship that we don't actually get to see any of, so we just have to sort of take their word for it, the character mm. that, you know, what we're seeing there on screen. Um, and then we're introduced to, obviously, uh, the Myers character. Let's talk about him. Is a, yeah, well, he, he jumps in as a, as a conflict, you know, because <sighs> she might potentially have a relationship with him, and it's sort of that question of, well, she can't love Hellboy because he's big, red, and from hell, and, <laughs> you know, he's a human... You know, nice chin, all good, pretty hair. Yeah. FBI a, a nice guy. You know, it works, yeah. fine. I mean, it's a bit boring, but... <laughs> so boring. And then after that, she becomes, like you said, that moment, she's that tool that the bad guys use yeah. as a plot device for Hellboy to be motivated to save her mm. before he has to punch the octopus thing. Yeah. It's like they do just use her character for whatever they want during the plot. Well, is that is that not a definition of a MacGuffin? Like, it's just, no, like you said, yeah, it's right. just no, an object that people you. are chasing or pursuing. One hundred percent, and it doesn't have an overall. I mean, she does have an, an impact because she kills. However, I don't understand how her powers are different to frying the thing in the subway. Like the thing's still split open, split into two. I don't really understand her power, and I know there's probably going to be people yelling at the. Their, I'm so their sorry. Screens. We are so sorry. <laughs> like I mean, when she lies, why don't her clothes light on fire? And it's like, is it because her? Well, oh, is. I mean, Hellboy is resistant to fire. Yeah, but he's just wearing leather. He's just wearing clothes, right? She's just wearing clothes. Has she got some sort of Johnny Storm type quantum space kind of outfit? I don't think this film (laughs) takes itself that serious enough to. Unless there's something else going on where it's like she projects the fire. Yeah. from out of her body or something but I mean that's not in the film that's not explained so I just go what's oh, silly yeah <laughs> let's talk John Meyer so John Evans John Myers do you know what his character is he is Rupert Evans John Myers yeah oh yeah yes Rupert Evans sorry playing John Myers is that right yes yeah, that's yes <laughs> that's right oh. you got it good idea <laughs> His character... He's so forgettable. He's <laughs> so forgettable. Anyway, yeah. He's there as the audience. He's he's us. They've, they've put him there so characters can essentially give exposition to him. His purpose is to walk through the bureau with these wide eyes going, Wow, what is this place? This is weird. This is the audience going, Wow, what is this place? This is weird. And characters can tell him or tell the audience, Hey, this is the bureau, blah, blah, blah. I understand. That's all he is. But, That's all but he is. In order to be in that role and to be chosen for that role, 
he would have to have his wits about him a bit better than he does. And he just seems like he's bumbling. I'm like, hang on. If you were chosen to come into this secret little group to be a handler of a myth, hmm. you would probably be a little bit, a little bit more elite I mean, than you not, are. I mean, he's, he's not like Inspector Clusco, Clusco, Cluso, whatever the name is, or Johnny English type. You know, yeah. he's not just... Bumbling through it. Yeah. But he does act... He's, there's a certain disconnect of... Yeah, you, know, you just think he would be a little bit better than he is. He seems like a like a rookie detective. Yeah, as opposed he's to a, he seems like he's green from the academy, and it doesn't make any sense why an academy recruit yeah. would be put this in this role. But when the bureau in this film, anyway, is you know displayed as you know this secret thing being hidden from the world, yeah. you know there there are things in place to try and. Hmm. Keep the media at bay and keep things secret, they're and it's like 51, they're just they're fifty-one floors under the ground. <laughs> That's how deep and dark and they yeah, like to be they're just secrets. throwing in this what seems like a rookie type FBI, yeah. and, you know, fresh out of training. So he annoys me, but there is one yeah, other character just, who annoys me it's more. Just dull man, he's dull. He's dull, but there is one other character who annoys me more, and that is Tom Manning, who's played by Jeffrey Tambor. <laughs> Oh. Jeffrey Tam- Do you know what Jeffrey Tam... Okay, besides Arrested... He's one of those most famous character actors. He's, he's in so many things. Arrested Development, right? He plays, like, the dad. Yeah. Like, he... Hilarious. Like, he is... He's good at doing comedy, you know, in, in that type of... Yeah. In that type of humorous setting. But he does... It's the same <laughs> character. When... <Yeah. laughs> I mean, I also know of, like, the Muppets in Space. He plays the, the villain. But, I mean, <laughs> I can't take him... Seriously. Seriously. Like and it's not it's not a knock at him, it's just the roles that he's had and oh the Grinch in the Jim Carrey one. Like, yeah. It's like, yeah, the same thing. I honestly think he should have died. Now he wasn't playing a villain of so I mean he was kind of good guys with like uh, sort of agendas, but you know, not anything sort of criminal. This dude, his character <laughs> values how you smoke a cigar more more than the success of a freaking mission. But, he cares more about educating the Hellboy about how to smoke a cigar oh, than he does about thinking rationally on who and what should be happening. Actually, I will mission. say, on that scene, I actually thought that was quite a nice scene. <laughs> because for this character who has pretty much done nothing except just sort of you know keep the media at bay, sort of assert his authority a little bit, um, for him to have a moment with Hellboy, and I don't know why this character was the one having it, but it was sort of like, you know... Hellboy, I guess, if you look at it, he had just lost his father, and then yeah. suddenly there's this other guy, yeah. and he's like sort of teaching the ways of the world. So it's like, I guess I kind of opened it up for Hellboy to go, oh, do you know what? You know, like, there are still things I can learn, but there are these other people out here who mm. I can learn things from. And it's sort of a nice little moment, and it's, you know, there's you know, shit sort of falling apart around them. and yeah. But they, they do just take a moment to go, let's just enjoy the simple things. Mm. Um, but no, you're right. There is a mission, and they're yeah. just fighting around a little bit. <laughs> look, look I, I, okay, look. I, in that scene that you're talking about, it is good that there's that support for Hellboy. That's fantastic. And it is a good resolution between the two of them. It means knowing as an audience, you know, moving forward, he's not going to be a, piece, yeah. I mean, like, a pain in the ass. This was me grasping at little moments of, like, you yeah. know, value and thematic layer for these characters. <laughs> I guess where my gripe is, is I know, like, Jeffrey Tambor's way he plays his character, which is always the same character in all of yeah. his movies. I mean, this is very much it's a comic relief. Right. Yeah, but it's not comic relief. It's stupid. It's stupid. They could the, have done better. That is it. Is it the post credit scene that he appears in and he's still trapped? 
you know, like where, you know where the, the yeah. third act is, you know, under that thing. I don't even know where they were. Good subway thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he's just like, "Hello," <laughs> or something. He's yelling out. He's under yeah. there. They forgot about him. That's great. All right, Grigory Rasputin. Rasputin. I'll tell you. So, I like him. Play by camera. I mean, I mean, whatever. I did, did. I just don't recall. I don't have anything to say because I really. It's just not memorable. Like I know there was this guy doing things and he was plotting stuff and he had these other beings that are like, let's do this. Watching it, look, I just knew that he was just a badass, and the way I know he was a badass, right, is because same character, same actor, Karel Roden, Roden, Roden. I don't know if it's meant to be. He played. He was in uh, one of the bloody Guy Ritchie movies, Rock and Roller. Rock and Roller. And he's a, a Russian oligarch or something like that. Right. Yeah. And like a big property of mogul and stuff. And he plays like they do him wrong because they steal his money. Ah. And, um, spoilers for that movie, I guess. <laughs> but um. And he plays, a, he's a really cool in that movie. Um, just and So I just thought he's pretty much the same character in this. He's just a bad guy who's kind of on top of it all, but he kind of separated from what's going on. Yeah. But he, every now and then he's just kind of injected into it. And then at the end, until they have a showdown kind of thing. But whatever. Yeah. <laughs> as in, like he's, he never sits there, talk, he's never in the same room as Hellboy, really, until the end. You um, know, like it's not. My issue mainly with him, and I guess him as a villain, is that we don't know his. No, this is a fairly long movie. It's about two yeah. and a half hours long, right? Yeah. We don't know his plot until about 45 minutes to the end. Yeah. Don't see his motivation, so the whole thing when he is doing stuff. And then by the time it is revealed, it's like, oh, whoops, we get another mm. we get another bad guy, which is the, you know, the, the Samael, whatever his name is. Samael, yeah. Uh, by Brian Steele. And again, it's just like, okay, now we've got this new guy. And it's like, all right. Samael, played by Brian Steele. You mean in a costume, right? Oh, I guess, or just voice work, or... Of the monsters? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I mean, someone's got to do it, I guess. Uh, yeah. I thought it was just some Foley artist, but all right, cool, Brian. Good on you. <laughs> Good, Good on work. You. I thought it was very convincing monster sounds. <laughs> <laughs> so does Jason. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they didn't make noises. It was, Maybe, um, No, I think it motion capture, wasn't it? Surely. It wasn't motion capture. That it was practical suits. Were they? Yeah, because you can tell, because he swings looks... his... It... No, it was they real. It so was bad. real. That looks so bad. It was pros- it's just prosthetic suits. Like, all those things like crawling around the subway, the multiplying things with the tongues and the... Oh, any of them moving would probably be CG. <laughs> yeah. But but the ones where he's fighting Hellboy, that's all... That's a costume. Oh, okay. You can yeah. tell it's proper. Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Watch it again. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> no. Yeah. I really don't want to. <laughs> all right. That's covered. All I'm saying, all I'm saying, unforgettable villains. That's covered. <laughs> that's covered. Yeah, unforgettable villains in summary. All right, let's cover it. A whole bunch of character stuff. We've got a little bit left, but I reckon now is the right time for an ad break. What do you think, Jason? Uh, yes, please. All right. <laughs> we will be right back. Hi, I'm Luke. And I'm Jason. And we are the guys from Nut Film Stew. Do you like movie reviews and want to keep up to date with the latest in movie and TV news? Then Nut Film Stew is the podcast for you. Join us every two weeks for some good times, laughs, and firm opinions on the things we love. That's right. There's a new podcast released every two weeks on iTunes and SoundCloud. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as That Film Stew Podcast. That Film Stew Podcast. Listen, comment, follow, share. All right, and we're back. Um, yes, we are. I guess the next thing to jump into is, you know, we'll touch on a few of them, but the special effects. The 2004... Special yeah. effects. Yeah. Now, like I said, you know, like we we like practical effects. Yeah. We're also a fan of CGI when it works. Um, we're yeah. always, 
we've always encouraged the use of both. blending the two yeah. um, and blending it well. Now, this movie uses both. They use they use the practical. They also use mm. the CGI. Um, they, this, this is an example of the worst blending of CGI to practical <laughs> I've seen in a in a you know a pretty high budget theatrical film. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, cool. <laughs> there's one there's one scene I'll point out. Which I think one? it is it a Red Bull he's drinking. Hellboy's drinking a Red Bull with his big massive arm. Thing. Yeah, he goes to crush it mm. and. I mean, I, I, I guess just the mechanics of the arm that they have for him. So mm. he's all—he's in his practical suit. He's holding the can. That's mm. practical. The shot cuts away to like Liz or someone, whatever. It might be Myers. I don't know. Mm. Cuts back to Hellboy with this 100% CGI arm. Yeah. CGI Red Bull can, and it looks awful. Yeah. It crushes the can, mm. and I just don't know why. There's so many times they, they've, they've used a CGI hand, his right hand, mm. And it is just shocking. It's bad, isn't it? Yeah. But There's a couple shots of him jumping over like, like the rooftops and stuff, you know, after yeah. his big meltdown of, she took his picture. She took his picture. She took his picture. Yeah, and then he starts jumping over the rooftops and it's just like, oh, cartoon. Oh, cartoon. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though. I did like the scene. It's, not, it's nothing to do with um, special effects, but the scene where he's talking to the boy and like he's just spying on... I mean, it's, it's so silly, but mm. it was also like... It was just funny because he's pretty much just talking to himself. <laughs> There's a kid there yeah, yeah. and the kid's interacting with him, but he's not like... And then he turns around at some point and he goes, why wasn't it? You're like a 10-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that's the bit worst advice or something. Yeah. Yeah, he him. yeah. But it... Yeah, I don't know. I just, I just like that. I guess it was a little bit more revealing about the character. Yeah. Um, special effects, though. Look, um, I didn't like the prosthetics on Ron Perlman. I felt like... For some reason, it was restricting his range. Like I said, we yeah. don't know. We so said it, we don't that's know. That's something I thought about, but that's a good. It's a good point. I think mm-hmm. as a as a whole, like the suit looks, it looks okay. It looks yeah. fine as a it's style so choice. Big. For, I mean, I I haven't read the comics, but I mean, I've seen the images and the artwork yeah. from the page to the screen. I mean, it looks like. It looks like Hellboy. It mm. has more of, I guess, a cartoony, if you will, sort of flavour to it. Okay. Especially now that we have the opportunity to compare it to, you know, this new interpretation in this 2019 yeah. movie where it's a lot gritty. You know, like he's got like the long, sort of dirty, mm. scraggy hair. He's a bit slimmer in the face, a bit elongated, sort of a bit more like the yeah. the, the comic book artwork is. I mean, yeah, there's a there is a difference there, and you, you do get a more grit in this modern version where, yeah, he does look bright and colourful. But I mean, it's yeah. all it's all there and it's functioning. So some of the special effects work, right? Though, if you're looking at the the Samel ones, the CG of those guys when they're underwater and they're in the subway train time tunnels. That doesn't look too bad. Actually, I mean, yeah, that's the, all to do with lighting blending as well. Underwater, know, but, yeah, you have the advantage of yeah. obviously having that different sort of environment. Yeah, um, yeah being darker and stuff like that. So, yeah, the, the, the scenes with, like like we said, Abe swimming through the, mm. the water. I mean, that's CGI, but it looks pretty good. Like, yeah. I really enjoy it. When you get the, the Samels and they're, you know, they are just running free range through the streets or the subway or through mm. the bend, whatever they're doing on the rooftop. It's just like... A computer, but like not great. It's okay, I guess, for the time, but dated yeah. really badly. Yeah, they had a very it definitely badly. definitely doesn't hold up. But I will say, I really do. Even some of those, like so, um, so when when Samel's running through the traffic, and you have got headlights coming on and off, and like his eyes, oh, yeah, his yeah. pupils are dilating and stuff. 
like if you're paying attention to it, it doesn't look too bad. It doesn't hold up, but it are also, they are they close ups of their faces or you know yeah. thereabouts? Yeah, that kind okay. of thing. But but no, but I mean it's still it is still CGI. It's definitely CGI. Yeah. It's definitely not practical because um, he's kind of just ducking in amongst things. But it's, um, so it's more like those wide shots that look pretty bad, where you see the whole figure yeah. amongst it, the it, environment. What it reminds me of is. Jurassic Park era CGI of the T Rex with the flat with the light. Oh, actually, I guess it's maybe Godzilla two thousand. Yeah, yeah, oh, yes, whatever. Yeah. So that stuff where he's moving through the streets and a flashlight will go across him, and that looks really nice. It looks really good, really well done for the time. For but the it time. wouldn't hold up now, and it doesn't. I mean, yeah. we we did a so, podcast, but I don't say it's <laughs> terrible. I just don't think it's yeah, it's not. But again, I mean, we're comparing to nineteen ninety eight to two thousand and. Four and and that's the kind of you'd think those years and you know what we've seen prior like we bagged we bagged the effects in in Godzilla in nineteen ninety eight for you know for being crummier than effects from ninety three or yeah. you know prior ninety two even and to watch a movie from two thousand and four and be like you know these effects look pretty average this was the year you know? mind you okay like it's not it's not Scorpion King bad like it doesn't look like a PS two game like, but it, Matrix it, Reloaded and Revolutions had come out by this as well and like they were at, at a better standard even though now they're still oh, dated but, I mean, but they're not the Matrix like Matrix Reloaded like they had a very heavy reliance on CGI where mm. it just the blending again. It was pretty bad with it. You know, the effect... Yeah. Well, we mentioned in our Matrix episode, more yeah. plugs. Yeah. Um, but the effects there were... There was less of the CGI. It yeah. blended better. Yeah. When you rely too much on the CGI, when you just go 100% CGI, which the Samels were, yeah. it does look pretty crummy. And then we get to that third act with that hot octopus thing. Oh, yeah. It's just and terrible. it's just... You know, oh. every now and then there was a practical sort of... Like, uh, like a tentacle or something. And I was mm. like, oh, you know, that looks mm. okay. But... Ah, just oh, you got Hellboy cutting tentacles off that are wider than tree trunks <laughs> with this with one slice of an old There's stone. Zero depth sword. to the to the object there. There's yeah. nothing physical. It's just it's just colourful digital air yeah. that is slicing slicing through. And I don't like that. I mean, like, as an overall third act as well, like coming out, like by the time you get him fighting that thing, like yeah. I checked out. I was like, no, I was like, even this isn't fun. You know, yeah. like, I'm just not having a good time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I something I did like though the costuming is just fantastic. Yeah, I mean, especially where again we mentioned Abe, Abe um, yeah. but I mean, when you just have a character in like that physical costume and they are actually doing a stunt, whether it be running over something, jumping on something, yeah. and it is actually them, it looks good. It looks fine. You know, the light it's good, the setting's nice. The red man stop um, just seen in the traffic. That's pretty good. That's a practical car mm. flipping over him. Like, so he punches down on the car's bonnet and flips over him. And I thought, I remember that. That's in the trailers. That, that was a standout scene. Yeah, that works. Well, not, it's not even a scene. It's just a standout shot, mm. really. But anyway, okay, cool. Yeah, a lot of the visuals sort of out and about, you know, like, um, I can't recall where this was filmed. It, uh, some of it was filmed in Scotland. The other part was mm. filmed somewhere else. But it was, it really works well for the sort of locale and the style yeah. that's sort of like the flavors of the world so when you get when you get sort of some action scenes sort of out on the street it's like they look really good they look yeah. kind of cool yeah but then it's it's dampened again by those <laughs> very poor cgi yeah just can't take it let's yeah. let's talk soundtrack yeah cool. now we've got a score by marco um Bitrami. now you're i'd say you're the soundtrack guy give me your thoughts on this it's not overly noteworthy um i don't think that he's style right if you look at his previous works up until this point he wasn't really an action like score 
Yeah, I'd say composer. Sorry, I'd say I'd say Del Toro brought him, just brought him on from you know working on Blade Two, and then yeah, sort of maybe. And 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 it's not like so. Okay, it's an unremarkable score, and what I mean by that is bad. It's I can't think of what it is. It didn't it didn't stand out as as a waste. Like didn't it wasn't offensive when we're listening to it. So it wasn't like it was standing out as a. And not appropriate. It seemed like just, I don't it was it. sort of. It has like these flavors of trying to sort of tap into, you know, the, like that superhero sort of, you know, triumphant mm. sort of beats, but then not going big enough to make it, you know, signature and being like actually like wow, this is happening. Mm. Um, sort of keeping it low key enough that it's still, mm. you know, a bit grim, which sort of fits in with the setting and the, you know, I guess the style that. Lemo was bringing, I suppose. Tell you what, though, look at look at his list of other other ones that he's done. You've got Logan, he's on yeah, there. He's done Logan and the Wolverine. And the Wolverine. He's got World War Z. That was a bloody good movie. Hurt Locker, great movie, great sound, um, great sound. Best picture. <laughs> yeah, it did too. Um, First Resident Evil. The Fantastic Four. I Robot. I Robot was good. Yeah. Um, the Fourth Die Hard as well. That was pretty good as well. Underworld. So he's got he's got a really big like list of credentials. But I'm just saying for this particular piece. At that point in his career, I don't think he'd moved into action. He was more horror or thriller, and it wasn't just—it's just not really memorable, you know. Yeah, so. I, I think maybe he was trying to go for an at- atmospheric feel mm. with with uh, attempting to tap into sort of like what an action movie would need in a score, yeah. but then not quite getting there on both levels. So yeah. I mean, it works, and the, I mean the music's fine. Just yeah. Forgettable. <laughs> so, so forgettable. We try hard not to not to knock Marco there, but uh, just... no, he was fine. Like, we're trying hard not to knock the whole friggin' film, but um, yeah, All right. it, is, it is just what it is. Well, that probably does it for our, I guess, overview of the of the reviewer Sudge. What we'll jump into now is our is our quiz. Yeah, um, and it's my it. turn to quiz you. Mm-hmm. And as you guys know, ten questions in 30 seconds. I was about to say 30 questions in 10 <laughs> seconds. Wouldn't that Shit. be rough? I'm a little bit nervous about this because I don't know if I know enough about this movie to uh, to pull this one off. That's effectively. okay. I didn't go too intense. Uh-uh. Second date. No Alright, so we will begin now. Oh, yep. What year does the movie begin? And you get bonus points for the month and the setting. Uh, 42, but I don't know. Incorrect. Okay. What chocolate bar does <laughs> Professor Brutenholm give Baby Hellboy? Baby Ruth. Correct. Yep. Agent Clay warns Myers not to stare at what? Horns. Correct. Besides HB, what is Hellboy's nickname or what is his call sign? Um, red. Big red. Correct. Yeah. What is Abe's call sign? No, I can't remember. Incorrect. To it. <laughs> uh, Hellboy's big hand on his, is on his left or right side? Right. Correct. What does Hellboy refer to Professor Brutenholm or Broom as? Dad. Father. Incorrect. What is the Bureau of Paranormal Research and Defense disguised as? Uh, I can't remember. A concrete building. Incorrect. On the subway train, what is Hellboy beaten with? God, I can't remember. Oh, no, no, phone. No, he uses the phone to beat the thing. Incorrect. How many eggs were deposited into Hellboy? Three. And in how many seconds? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> and that's oh, it. But there, we there we go. Okay. Right, yeah, go, did, go through some. Yeah, did uh, pretty average. Um... Like 19, 1994, uh, the movie opens in 1994. It is October, and it is in Scotland. Um, opens in 1994. No, 1944. Sorry, did 44. I say 94? Yeah, okay. Yes, 1944. Okay. Abe's BPRD call sign is blue. So Hellboy oh, is red, red, which he got. Blue. He is blue. 
because he's like what's Liv then um, I don't know. That's not a question. Um, <laughs> Sparky, Sparky, is it Sparky? Well, she makes that up at the end, like in uh, that last, in the last act. Pixar yeah. thing. Look, she left. She left the up. She didn't get a call sign. Um, Hellboy refers to Professor Brutenholm as Pop, which is what I want oh. specifically. No, oh, okay. So a father figure, a dad-like figure, but calls Pop. him Pop. Okay. Um, the Bureau of Paranormal Research and Defense is disguised as a waste management plant. Okay. Um, on the subway train, Hellboy is beaten with um, a fire extinguisher. One no, of the no one of, of the few humorous scenes. <laughs> beaten with a fire extinguisher. I know that he picks up a phone and he goes, "It's for you," and belts the crap out of the thing with a phone. Um, and you did get how many eggs were deposited into Hellboy, which was three eggs in five seconds. Yeah, um, but that's correct. Um, you got five out of ten. Bloody amazing. Very average. <laughs> it's an analogy for this movie. <laughs> Possibly. And in saying that, it might be a good time to uh, to jump into our rating. I think so. Five VHS tapes. Chase, go first. Get on. Um, yes. Look, Surreeling. I did want to go into this most recent viewing and, you know, be sway, be turn around and, you know, have a new appreciation for this movie. I have a better understanding of what happens in this movie. <laughs> But no, I'm still not a fan. Um, I really, I don't really like this movie. I mean, there's there's elements, and you know, there's some some mm. nice things that you can pull. But I mean, character wise, the majority of them besides Abe, yeah, they're pretty bland. Yeah. And again, I'm not. I don't know if that's from page to screen, and if that's intentional, and if that's how it's supposed to be, then that's fantastic. But mm. as a film, as a movie, it just does not work for me in that regards. Um, special, special effects, as we said, uh, pretty crummy. Um, some good practical stuff, but mm. just against that CGI is very, very rough. Um, the majority of the plot just, you know, it, it drags for a lot of it. Not much really happens. Yeah. They, they, they say a lot's happening, but nothing's really happening until the last 45 minutes. And yeah. that is a literal... 45 minutes like mm. the last act is where everything happens and even then by that time I'm exhausted and underwhelmed anyway yeah. um, I'm going to come in at like a 2 and that's very generous 2 out of 5 that's higher than I thought you'd go okay cool <laughs> okay my rating um, well look okay so I did I liked this movie when I was younger I really liked it actually but like, I mean we, we talked it doesn't hold up as well as it as, as well as I expected it to there are still elements I really enjoyed, like, and there were, yeah, some some moments where the nostalgia kind of tickled the fancy a little bit, you know, made made me made me kind of appreciate it a little bit more than maybe I should, mm. perhaps I don't know. But um, yeah, special effects don't hold up as well as they could have. There were a couple of things that I appreciate, but still, nothing too flashy. Ron Perlman's portrayal, I don't think it's a fault of him. I actually think it's a prosthetic thing, and it was just flat. It just felt unemotional and I think he's got that drawl and that's a wrong point drawl and that's fine but when you don't have any expression on your face it doesn't work does it, it doesn't like as in he can't convey himself mm. in a different a different way yeah look I don't have anything raging to see <laughs> I didn't like like the first, the last act where basically they they you know they blow up the subway or that's probably my favourite scene is Liz letting loose and killing everything <laughs> yeah. the movie should have ended there like, I'm happy with that. Yeah. Then they could have all gone home. God, look, we beat him. So, 
but anyway, doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> I'm going to give it. I'll give it a two, two, and it may even be less. But yeah, let's stick with two. Let's go to five. Well, no, I thought you were going to come in. You know, like off air, I had the. I was under the impression that you did like this movie. I used to love it. Oh yeah. So after this but, viewing, that's yeah. And look, I got to say, I actually really like Golden Army. Okay, yeah. but I ha- haven't seen that either for <laughs> quite a while. Are you a bit worried. I'm a bit worried about watching it again, yeah. but. Um, I know that like they had a couple of extra groovy little things in there mm. that are you know still very Guillermo del Toro like the, the tooth fairies that are in there. Yeah, I reckon. Like, do you remember the tooth I'll fairies check... in that? No, no. They calcium. It's really cool because they're, they're terrifying as well. They're yeah, like, oh, yeah, it's really cool. But um, I anyway. think I'll check that out just for curiosity of people. I mean, people have said that they really like this movie. You know, like they. They talk a lot of good stuff about it. I don't see it, but good for you guys. That's I'm very happy for. Yeah. Um, there was actually you know you mentioned the so just one more thing I want to point out. You know, like when when you cut to a new setting with it with a movie and you've got your characters somewhere. You know, say the subway for instance. Um, there's there's three different ways you can sort of tell your audience where they are. You can visually show them mm. with you know your setting where the characters are sort of walking through and stuff. Mm. You could just put literally tell them, you know, put the the text on the screen and say, you yeah. know, they're here. Um, or the third option is have the characters sort of talk about where yeah. they are. And it, What this movie does is break open a fourth option, and <laughs> it does all three. When they get to that subway thing, they're talking about where they are. You yeah. can clearly see where they are, and yeah. then there's text on the screen. And I'm just sitting there going, like, okay, I get it. They're at the subway. Like, <laughs> Stop treating me like I'm like an idiot. abandoned subway. I get it. Yes. Yeah. That's this movie, pretty much. Like, yeah. they really... Exposition. Yeah. But, um... See, I, I, I do, really think, I do wanna... think the sequel is better. Like, I it, think it, I'll check it, it out. I think I'll check this, it out. But I'm worried about watching it. I do want to watch this new one, though, because David Harbour's great. Um, and it will be good to see a new take on it, an R-rated take on it. I think it's yeah. So that was our Rewind to 2004. Mm. Hellboy. Yep. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode of Rewind and Review. As always, we'll remind you that any feedback, either positive or negative, or any rewind requests, um, can be sent to us via email at thatfilmstreetpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can reach out to us at either That Film Street or Rewind and Review's Facebook pages, like and follow these pages whilst you're at it. That's right. Subscribe and leave us a review on SoundCloud and iTunes, um, as it does help others like yourself find the podcast. That Film Street has launched their new website, so check it out. Huzzah! Thatfilmstreetpodcast.com. The uh, new Hellboy movie is in cinemas right now, as of April uh, 2019. So but for how long? <laughs> <laughs> Two more weeks. Um, so if you're a fan of Hellboy in any shape or form, um, go check that out. Um, and Luke and Jason will be doing a review. So keep an eye out for that one. Now, if you're wondering what our next episode of Rewind Review will be, uh, this movie will be celebrating its 35th anniversary, and it will be 1984's Police Academy. Wow, 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 wow. Ah, thank you for listening. This has been another Rewind and Review. See you on our next trip. See ya! Please rewind this cassette before returning it to your video library. I thought you were bringing the love. You were bringing the love. All right. We got nothing to work on oh, here. Yeah. <laughs> I'll leave it. I'll leave it.